What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Lightweight Pre-Gamers, a fantasy football podcast for the Pre-Game HQ. As always, I am your host, CJ Kraus. Today, we have an awesome show. We're going to be focusing on all the free agent signings we didn't get to last week. If you remember last time we were here, we had Nelson Aguilar break during the show, so we had to kind of go back and fix that at a post. But today, we're getting all the other signings that have happened this week, including the big one that just happened yesterday. We are recording this on Sunday, the 21st. I cannot do this alone, though. We have uh, two of our best writers here at the pregame HQ. We have Avram first. Let's introduce him. How are we doing, Avram? Uh, man, I can't complain. I'm in this uh, beautiful sports coma of a week of NFL free agency, March Madness, betting. It's uh, This is my just dream. I love How's your bracket it. I love going? this time of the year. How's your bracket doing? Let's not talk about things like that. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. Let's, no one let's, let's keep bracket. it positive. Let's keep it positive. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, we got someone back from our first show. I haven't seen him in a while. We got Garb back in the house. How are we doing, Garb? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great, Excited. Man, I can't yeah. Love this time of year. It's it's crazy. There's always so much news flying left and right. Things are breaking. We had most of the big news finish up this weekend. There's still a couple of shoes to drop here and there, but. Let's just hop right in this one. We got free agency. We got teams signing everywhere. Where we left off, Nelson Aguilar was signed to the Pats. They weren't done signing players. They got Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry signed as well since the last time we spoke. So all the free agents signing for the Pages were Cam Newton, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, John New Smith, Hunter Henry for the offensive side of the ball. That is an insane amount of players added, but I don't think it's that great of an insane amount of um, starting lineup. But what do you guys think? Garb, let's start with you, man. What do you think of the Patriots signings this offseason? So uh, there were a few questionable uh, signings because they gave so much money to both Agler and uh, the other the other wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. And uh, for me, when they did sign Jonu Smith, I really liked it originally. But then once they added Hunter Henry, uh, it kind of hurts both of them in a way because they're both like the two best tight ends in the free agency classes. And since they're both on the same team, they'll feed off of each other. And both of their workload will be slightly less than what it could have been if they went to a different team, like both of them on a separate team. Yeah, and that's the big thing about it. They're going to play – one's going to play the inline, one's going to play the move tight end. But at the same time, we're worried about Cam Newton and that offense. We have a lot of, like, details going on with that. But I think Johnny is higher than Hunter Henry. A lot of people disagree with him this one. But I think he's going to be the more athletic one, getting the yards after the catch. But I think neither are good for fantasy. I think it's lowered the tight end pool even more. The main beneficiary in especially like dynasty leagues is like the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and the Darren Waller owners because now the tight end pool is even smaller. Bob, what do you think of the signing? What do you think this does for fantasy? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, for the sake of the Patriots as as a whole, I mean, I like what it does for them offensively. You know, fantasy purposes, I guess that's another question in and of itself but i do think they got better as a team so that's nice to see i think the biggest winner in all of this is honestly just cam newton uh i was a bit surprised to see him stay with the patriots i know you guys you know have covered that before but at least when you commit commit 100 percent, go into it and i think that's what the patriots did so i am excited about that like has been said already before i wish henry and john didn't wind up on the same team then i'd feel much better about having potentially both of them as top 10 fantasy tight ends, you know, especially in redraft. Now that comes into question to me. What I initially thought was, man, this kind of reminds me of Cam's rookie year when the Panthers had him, Greg Olson and Jeremy Shockey. 
you know, like two big name tight ends on that same offense. And he excelled his, you know, his rookie year passing the football, but obviously that was like a decade ago. And that arm has some serious wear on it. So there's reason for, you know, concern there, but at least from the biggest winner perspective, I'm looking at Cam. I like some of these pieces, you know, the biggest uh, concern that I would have is probably money-wise for the Patriots. I think they probably gave a little bit, maybe too much to Aguilar uh, and just a lot of money invested in the tight end position as a whole. Yeah, they definitely really went out there. One thing I think I like about John is they were the first, they that was their first signing. They made sure to get him and then lock up Henry. So that's why I'm a little bit higher. But I think it's going to be really good for the NFL team. I don't think it's great for us as fantasy managers, though. That's the thing. I think the team's going to have a better record. They're going to play better. They're a defensive side of the ball. They're working through their tight ends. They're a run-focused team. But that's not always the best for our side of the work in that. Uh, moving on, we're going to stay in the same division here. We're going to go with uh, Corey Davis signing a three-year deal of $37.5 million to the New York Jets. Avram, what do you think about Davis to the Jets? Yeah, I mean – I think, I think, again, he's a wide receiver that kind of had one big season this last year. Prior to that, wasn't really all that impressive. So in terms of the deal he got, I think he did pretty well for himself considering what the market was for wide receivers this year in free agency. But, you know, I still think Jamison Crowder is the wide receiver to own for the New York Jets. He'd still be my top guy. Even with Corey Davis being there, I think still the biggest thing for the Jets is what's going to happen at the quarterback position. Is it going to be Darnold? Is it going to be maybe Wilson, Fields, just one of these rookie quarterbacks? And if it is one of those rookie quarterbacks, I'd say probably all those wide receivers, not by much, but by a little, have their ceiling a little bit lower just because, you know, chemistry, ups and downs of the rookie season for the quarterback position. It's a tough transition in general. But I, I'd probably have Corey Davis, you know, as a low end wide receiver too at best. Uh, I don't think it's that much necessarily an improvement from his time in the Tennessee Titans as far as fantasy value is concerned, because the Jets also drafted Mims last year too, relatively early on. So there's capital there. I realize Perriman left, but again, I, I think there's some. Uh, more concrete veterans there on that team that are going to be ahead of him on the pegging order. Yeah, it's interesting, Rob Crowder. I mean, I personally don't think Crowder's going to be on the team this year. He has, if he if he's cut, they save ten million dollars. But by the way, his contract set up, but they just signed Ke- Keelan Cole as well. I didn't want to bring up too much because he's kind of like an afterthought signing, but some of those sure-handed players you can throw in there. But interesting about Mims, one thing there's like that battle between who's going to be the wide receiver one. I think Corey Davis got the bag. He's going to be the one. He's mm-hmm. going to be the guy throwing the ball, but. Though number one in the Jets offense has been, what, a wide receiver three at best each week. And I don't think it gets any better there, even if they get a new quarterback, like you said. So I agree with a lot of what you said. I just can't get to that wide receiver two. Even though you said low end, I think he's more of a mid to low wide receiver three in that. But he's a good player, but I don't think he, he's not a one. We saw that on no. Tennessee. He is He wants to be a one. He was drafted to be a one. But when they got A.J. Brown, that's when he got elevated. I don't think Mims or uh, Corey Davis are ones. And that's the problem with their offense right now. Um, Garth, what do you think of that offense? What do you think of Corey Davis? Yes, I agree with what both of you guys said. But as a fit, I do like Corey Davis there because uh, he did get uh, increased share pretty much every year. And uh, like even with uh, the Titans, they were like the last, 
the second last passing offense. Like they threw just 30 to 32 attempts a game. And that was on the lower end. So with the Jets, they're likely going to be playing catch up either way. So they could throw a lot more and Davis could get more work. So I do like him in fantasy as a guy because you could probably get him for like uh, a late first or like a, a mid to high second. But the play that I would do is try and uh, send a 2022 second and third for him rather than a 20 uh, late uh, second because the class this year is just so good in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, you always want to use kind of future capital with that when you're trying to buy those players. I mean, Corey Davis value didn't go up at all. So it's interesting. You would um, even consider the late first for him, but I think that's kind of like a little on the high end. You're assuming a lot of things. Again, I think he's a great depth piece. I just, he's fine. You can replace that mm -hmm. position to me. Uh, speaking of that, let's go on to the next team. We're going to stay again. We're going to keep with this division rolling along. we got the Miami Dolphins, two insignificant signings and one significant sign. We've got Jacoby Brissett, $7.5 million one-year backup deal. we got Malcolm Brown, one-year, 1.75 mil. They said they're going to bring in a running back for Gaskin. It looks like that's the first one they've at least brought in. Will Fuller signed a one-year, $10 million deal. So you can kind of, if you don't want to, you don't need to touch on the first two, but you can kind of talk about Gaskin if you'd like. But I really want to hear your ideas on Fuller there, Garb. What's your uh, what's your opinion on Fuller going to the Dolphins? So for me, I think that Fuller signing with the Dolphins is actually more beneficial for Tua than it is for Will Fuller because uh, Tua didn't really throw it down the field as much. He had one of the least uh, yards per attempt for a quarterback last year. So uh, it will likely help him, but – uh, for Will Fuller, I do think it's about the same or maybe even a slight downgrade from Houston to Miami. I, so I agree a little bit with that, but I also disagree with that. I think it's a big downgrade for Will mm -hmm. Fuller because of that yards per attempt. One thing I think, I think they're paying him $10 million to run wind sprints and to have, open up the middle of the field. I think Mike Gusecki and maybe Lynn Bowden is probably, if they use him in the slot still, because they don't have a slot receiver. They have Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and they have now Will Fuller, all outside guys. Whoever's in the middle of the field, and Gaseki ran the most slot routes of any tight end last year, he's the big beneficiary. That, oh, that middle of the field is going to be open, and that's where Tua is going to be going in there. But I do, I do think it is a significant downgrade, so I disagree a little bit. But I think Tua does get that elevated because he has another weapon, so you can't take anything away from him. But I just don't see Fuller having nearly success. Because one thing about Watson, his checkdown was a 40-yard bomb. He didn't throw it to the running back. He just threw it up to Fuller. 40 yards down the field. Um, Auburn, what do you think of that signing? Yeah, man, CJ, I, I agree with you. I think it's a significant hit for Fuller because going from Watson to Tua, I, you know, just simply put, I don't think they're really all that comparable right now. But I love the fact that at least the Dolphins are saying, all right, let's surround Tua with weapons. He's our guy. That's what I want to see from them. So, you know, we can actually see if that is the case. And I've tried to, you know, try to get the pulse from some other Dolphins fans that I know in terms of what this means for the team. So I believe Fuller still has to serve a one-game suspension for, for what that's worth. So he's going to start out the season missing week one. But it's a one-year deal. I still think the Dolphins are in play for a wide receiver early in the draft. So I think potentially the value for Fuller can get even worse than it already is in terms of targets, in terms of volume. 
So that's something I'm keeping an eye out for. Uh, and I'll quickly touch on Gaskin. I like the fact that they didn't bring in a big name yet at the running back position. To me, uh, Gaskin right now kind of remains as a high upside running back that in the later rounds and redraft, I think could be a potential nice value pick. Yeah, I completely agree. In redraft, he's one of the guys that as long as nothing else happens, there's still some teams and running backs tied to them. Bringing in a Malcolm Brown is just saying, like, I need depth. That's one thing there. It's not like they're saying, oh, you're going to start over. If Malcolm Brown, like, had carries. He was very important in the blocking game for Los Angeles, but he's not a guy that's going to usurp what we saw from Gaskin last year. So I would probably put Malcolm Brown as the two. I think he jumps over Ahmed. But, yeah, unless they bring, like, a James Conner or draft somebody, I think Gaskin is currently the guy. So he, that's one thing to monitor is that backfield because we've learned last year that backfield is actually really good for fantasy because they run one guy, one of the few teams that actually uses – one running back the whole time. So moving on to the next side of it, we're going to keep it in division one last time. And I promise we'll move on to the next one. We have the Buffalo Bills signing Mitchell Trubisky for a one year, two and a half million dollars, super big backup deal. And then Manny Sanders after releasing John Brown. So taking over that role, we all were really super excited for um, Gabe Davis potentially taking over that role. What does this do to Manny Sanders, Gabe Davis? And if you want to talk about Trubisky, you can, but not too much to say. Go on, Avram. I mean, when it, come, when it, when it comes to Trubisky, you know I have to say at least one thing. So this is what I'll say. You. Yeah, he's hey, he's at least finally in the role he belongs, and that's a backup quarterback in the NFL. So that's all I'm going to say about Mitch Trubisky. And as far as the wide receivers are concerned, yeah, man, I, I, I was bummed out that kind of that maybe Gabriel Davis breakout isn't going to happen right away in 2021 because – I do think Emmanuel Sanders still has some left in the tank, if not a lot. And in this pass heavy offense, you know, Josh Allen isn't on the level of Drew Brees in terms of, you know, arm talent, at least what he had last year. So I do think the ceiling for Emmanuel Sanders is a little bit higher. I think he's probably going to be an underrated low end wide receiver two in PPR scoring redraft wise heading into the year. Um, Again, it's going to come down to a lot. I think the first couple of weeks are going to be very telling this season for the Bills and who asserts themselves as that number two wide receiver. That's going to be something really interesting. But, you know, what I do appreciate is the fact that Stephon Diggs stays as a locked in wide receiver one. So that hasn't really changed. So we can rely on that. Yeah. One day, I think the biggest hit was to the ancillary pieces of it. Diggs is going to get all of his. Um, it hurts Beasley, it hurts Gabe Davis. And it hurts um, Sanders itself. One silver lining on this whole situation is the Bills ran one of the most or the second most. I have double checked that one, but like in the top two of four wide receiver sets in the NFL, their tight end position is abysmal with Dawson Knox, and they barely use him there. The only thing that could change this is if they go out and get like a Zach Ertz or something like that in the next few days, because then they're saying I'm committing to the tight end because right now they're committing to more four wide receiver sets, so we could see potential in that. But I think, yeah, we, if we have a tight end get there and they start running more tight ends, like um, sets there, we're going to be seeing a rotation between Gabe Davis and Sanders because we know uh, Cole Beasley's a slot guy. So I think it just ends up being great for Josh Allen again, but not great for the pieces to me. But again, we'll see how it all folds out. Garb, what's your opinion on all this? Yeah, so I agree with both of you guys completely. There isn't really too much to add on. But uh, what I would say is that it does give another opportunity to buy Gabriel Davis low for uh, dynasty owners. But other than that, there isn't really too much of an impact overall because wide receiver is just so deep. 
So uh, Emmanuel Sanders, yes, he could help you on a like maybe like two or three games in the year, but odds are you won't even really use him. Yeah, that's the thing. He's one of those guys that is like you won't be like afraid to start him. He's a stash guy. It's hard to trade with those guys. He was like ascending so high when we heard John Brown was released, but it uh, ended up being for null. We'll, we'll move on with the John Brown situation. I know Auburn wants to talk about him, one of his favorite players there. Uh, we're going to be going to the Las Vegas Raiders. We had John Brown signing with them. We also had the surprise signing of Kenyon Drake. Well, I believe it was an $11 million deal, and then Brown was a $3.75 million deal. And that was guaranteed $11 million to Drake. Auburn, what are the Raiders doing? Uh, man, I have no idea. That offensive line, too, I feel like we should mention that that's a positional group that's taken a serious hit. I feel like in the blink of an eye, the Raiders went from one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, like to the degree where Russell Wilson wanted to get traded to the Raiders. Now uh, I'm betting that's not the case anymore. And Josh Jacobs, you know, ooh, that's some serious, serious downgrades at that position for that player, in my opinion. With the offensive line coupled into that, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, I, I think I tweeted this when it, when it happened, when I saw the Drake signing, he could very well headline my list of, you know, early do not draft list candidates that could be, you know, that are big names that might just warrant that from that perspective. But I don't like the competition there. I don't like the offensive line situation. So I'm probably gonna be passing on the rushing attack here for the uh for the Raiders you know maybe if one of those guys gets hurt then yeah we see the true abilities of the other as far as the wide receiver signing of Brown I, I like it I think he immediately becomes the number one wide receiver for this team finally adding a piece opposite Darren Waller maybe it'll cut down some of the volume for Waller obviously you have to talk about whether John Brown will be 100% healthy for the full year because that's always been the biggest thing for him but if he is uh, I like his upside there, and that's the one wide receiver that I'd be targeting for the Raiders. Interesting one with that one. So, yeah, I think that I completely agree with the Josh Jacobs call. He will be overdrafted based on name and finish last year alone in redraft this year. And I've never been a Josh Jacobs guy, but all the pieces are saying, do not touch this player. Like, you can't – in Dynasty, you don't want to trade for him. They paid $11 million. They're saying, I don't like this running back. He's not doing what I need him to do. And then now you went from the best O-line to one of the worst O-lines. It's, yeah, I, I agree. I think I heard Drake, too. I think it's we thought Drake was going to get a starting role. Now he's a high-end handcuff, I guess, in that, like, Tony Pollard range to me. Maybe. I, maybe behind Pollard, even, because I'd rather have Tony Pollard if he goes down than um, Drake if Jacobs goes down. But, yeah, that low-end RB3 range. So he's kind of off all boards unless someone gets hurt there. But um, I did want to touch on John Brown. I think he's more to replace Edwards or get or kind of push Edwards than Ruggs. So something is to consider, and this is um thing about the sickle cell trait. He cannot play in Denver, period. He will be out those games 100% because he will he just physically cannot handle the altitude. And they play Denver twice a year. So we, they, they go in and signing him knowing that. I think this is – we need to see Edwards, and he was a Twitter darling last year, step up in training camp. I think it's going to be similar to Marquise Brown with Ruggs. They invested so much into him. They're going to at least give them more time with that. But I do think John Brown is significant. And I do agree he could carve out to be the most efficient wide receiver in that offense. But I don't think the team wants to be the wide receiver one. They show with the money. But I think 
it's a knock on Edwards personally when I'm kind of reading the tea leaves with all that and understanding a little bit of the sickle cell trait there and, and because they have to be down him guaranteed no matter what when they're in Denver pretty much. So Garv, what's your opinion on all this? Yeah, so that's a, I was going to bring up that this move with John Brown there does hurt Brian Edwards more than it does hurt Ruggs. And uh, I do agree that Josh Jacobs does take a big hit because, again, the offensive line got a big downgrade and they brought in Kenyon Drake. But where I do differ is that I think that Kenyon Drake could have, like, he could be, like, a low-end RB2, in my opinion, because uh, he could take the passing down work over there. And uh, if Josh Jacobs does get hurt, then uh, he automatically bumps up quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but I just – I don't want – like, the Raiders' offense has gotten worse, the run game. But, I, again, I could be completely wrong. Being the pass catcher could have his benefits there. But um, let's just go to the next spot because I don't really have much to add to that. It's kind of just disagreement. So, mm-hmm. let's talk about one of my favorite signings. It is Ryan Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick. One of my – I don't care about signings, Lamar Miller. And one of my favorite signings, Curtis Samuel, to the Washington football team. That team is going to be exciting, guys. I am stoked about Terry McLaurin. Garb, what's your opinion on McLaurin and what's your opinion on Curtis Samuel and Fitzmagic going there? And if you want to talk about Lamar Miller, you can, but I don't think it's anything important. Yeah, okay. So uh, I love this for Terry McLaurin because he gets a quarterback that will just throw and he'll just keep feeding Terry McLaurin. But for Curtis Samuel, it is a bit questionable because they do have a person like Antonio Gibson who kind of plays a similar role. And then there's also a J.D. McKissick who can also do – uh, similar things to what Curtis Samuel can. And also Ron Rivera and uh, like his scheme didn't really work with Curtis Samuel in the past. So everyone is like, I love Curtis Samuel now. But for me, it could be a point where you can sell him for a big profit right now. Because again, they haven't used him well in the past. So uh, it is slightly questionable. And I do want to touch on Lamar Miller because uh, everyone was like, a little bit scared with uh, Jamal Williams when he joined Detroit and like the other backup running back signings. So it's the same thing, but it shouldn't hurt the running back one there. Like Lamar Miller being added should not hurt Antonio Gibson. And same with Jamal Williams for DeAndre Swift and the other backup running back signings. Yeah, like the Mike Boone, Jamal Williams, those guys. We can talk about that in this conversation. We already got brought up with Lamar Miller there to kind of speed through some of these things. But I did want to touch on, like, Curtis Samuel. I think it's great signing for the team. Mm-hmm. I think the team got a lot better with that asset. I think it kills any J.D. McKissick, 100%. Mm-hmm. He'll take over that role because he can come from the backfield and play that pass catcher if they need to. I A lot of people disagree with me on this. I think it hurts Antonio Gibson slightly. Mm-hmm. I had I was very high on Gibson. I was in my top eight running backs next year. I think it drops him down to a low end RB one because he might lose a little bit of the pass work and he's definitely lose a couple carries a week. So I dropped him to RB eleven. I don't think it's anything crazy. I don't think it's RB one, but I don't think it, it. His ceiling gets capped a little bit. I think the biggest beneficiary is Terry McLaurin. We saw what Fitzmagic did with Devontae Parker, and Terry McLaurin is a much better wide receiver than Devontae Parker. So we're talking so many targets going his way. And then Curtis Samuel helps open up the field. So I think, again, that's the biggest beneficiary to that. But, Avram, what's your opinion on those backup running backs, and what's your opinion on the Washington? Yeah, man, I don't I don't really have a 
opinion on the whole Lamar Miller situation. To me, that's an afterthought, really. Uh, I think it's Antonio Gibson and McKissick. And, you know, I think anything else is probably just reaching there unless there's an injury and just depth situation. But talking about the interesting signings, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I love what that does for the Washington offense. And it might be really early on and it might sound really crazy in just a quick turnaround. But hey, man, that's the NFL. I was thinking about this the other day. I might have Washington as one of my top offenses in the NFL for 2021, as crazy as that sounds. And that's obviously assuming that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays the entire season because we know the type of streaks that he goes in, uh, goes on. So that, that would be my biggest question. Hopefully Washington is going to commit to Ryan Fitzpatrick being the guy. There's going to be rough patches. Don't do the whole thing like Miami did. Just take him out, put him back in, take him out, put him back in, commit to him. It, it looks like, you know, you're going to wait another year until you try and get your franchise quarterback. But I love what this does for Terry McLaurin. You know, Washington is now going to transition to maybe being a little bit more pass heavy. I like that. Curtis Samuel, I'm not 100% sold on him. I don't necessarily think it hurts Antonio Gibson maybe as much as you do, because I think a lot of the success that Samuel had in Carolina this last year was because Christian McCaffrey was hurt uh, pretty much for the entire year. So I don't think he necessarily sees that work if McCaffrey is there the entire season. But uh, I guess we'll see. You know, Ron Rivera did draft Curtis Samuel, so that'll be interesting to see how that relationship progresses. And I'll quickly say this. I love what this does for Logan Thomas. To me, he's the biggest tight end winner this free agency. Getting someone like Orion Fitzpatrick, he was very underrated this last season. And I think he could very well improve on a lot of his numbers from 2020 heading into 2021. Interesting about that. I honestly disagree with that, Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas gets hurt adding another pass catcher there. But again, this is the cool thing about free agency and things we don't know. We have different opinions slightly. I do want to touch on the Antonio Gibson a little bit. I was just so high on him that it just anything could have tempered me down when it comes to the sign that it's being touched. Besides like a Lamar Miller, I don't care about. Like if they signed someone like a Carlos Hyde, like the Jags did, that could have like tempered a little bit for me. But I think that I just like Curtis Samuel. I think it's a great for the team, but I still would. 100% draft um, H.O. Gibson at the top end of the second, late, not late first, but top end of the second, definitely, is where I think he should be going and redraft this year. Um, so let's stick with about four more teams, just to keep it a little simpler on this one. We'll move on to the Arizona Cardinals. A.J. Green, one-year, $6 million deal. They made a post about him saying, like, about how they have two of the best receivers in the NFL right now. I don't know about you guys. I think AJ Green is washed. I think he is pretty much just going to be someone to take coverage away from their other receivers. What does this do for the passing offense? And what's your opinion on AJ Green, Auburn? Yeah, man. Unfortunately, I agree. Uh, I, I like AJ Green. Don't get me wrong, but I think right now he's kind of in a situation where maybe he's a little bit past his prime, and it's just one of those you know low risk, high reward signings that the Cardinals can afford to make right now. And if it pays off, great. But if it does pay off, I mean, you still got DeAndre Hopkins there. He's going to be the unquestioned number one wide receiver. Maybe it hurts, you know, his stock by a little bit, but not by a lot in my book. Um, I think I think this offense is still going to be Christian Kirk being the number two guy as inconsistent as he is. But to me, A.J. Green is now probably going to be a guy that's 
you're looking for a high touchdown upside there in the red zone, kind of taking advantage of the frame. And the biggest interesting factor for me here is the fact that Kenyon Drake is gone. What's going to happen at the running back position? Are they going to add anybody else? If they don't, Chase Edmonds season? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I'm just waiting for a big name to join the Arizona Cardinals at the running back position. Yeah, I love that you brought Chase Edmonds there. He's definitely one of the biggest beneficiaries from doing nothing. Things around him have changed. And then he, I think, I don't think he's going to be the only guy there. I think Chase Edmonds is a great complimentary piece. I do not think he's a workhorse back. To bring it back to the wide receivers, though, I do think this means Larry Fitzgerald's retiring. Like, I think that's like almost guaranteed with that signing. They bring him back. They're still one of the oldest wide receivers out there. I don't think it's the best move for them. Moving Christian Kirk to the slot, I think that is where he will be thriving for that role. I don't think how great it would be for fantasy, maybe a low-end two, mid-range three, depending on the week. But I think having those kind of targets, which is like how he was built and how he was brought into the league and how he was thought was going to be used, but he couldn't get to that spot because Larry Fitzgerald's there, will help him. And I think this actually helps Hopkins because you have to respect A.J. Green. So you need to use more of your defense to guard him and open up the field more for Hopkins. I did not think of what you did there because they did not bring, they don't have a tight end right now really at all. Dan Arnold went over to Carolina. Um, so maybe AJ green is the red zone threat for that team. If they decide to pass it, that's something I did not consider. So it's such an upside. That's a interesting take guard. What's your opinion on this whole Arizona Cardinals team? Yeah. So uh, I do think that AJ green becomes a wide receiver too on the Cardinals, but for fantasy, I don't love him. I think he'll be like, uh, just to, again in that big tier where wide receivers don't really matter and uh, any given week anyone can outscore anyone else in that like in that tier. So uh, it isn't too big of an impact for me. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think again, he helps all these signs. There's so many signs here that help the team, but mm -hmm. don't help us as fantasy managers, which we're, again, we're greedy and we're talking about this right now, but. It's good for the NFL, which is something fun to see, which will see better games on the field, which is good. Something I don't think was a good signing, so I'm going to segue into this one a little bit, is the Chicago Bears signing Andy Dalton and telling him you were going to be the starter after franchise tagging Allen Robinson. And people are considering this Allen Robinson's best quarterback that he's ever worked with. I watched a lot of Andy Dalton last year, and man, did he look washed to me. He did not look good. I think this is actually a down. This is one of the few players personally that I think signed there that could downgrade Allen Robinson in my rankings. Um, I want to start with you. I know you have the strong opinion on this one. So what is your opinion on Dalton signing with the Bears? I mean, I, I think you could argue no team had a worse 24-hour window in free agency than the Bears. Going from the preposterous, let me say that, Russell Wilson trade rumors, they were never going to happen. But either way, you, you need the fan base to believe in something when you've had Mitch Trubisky for so long. Uh, and then going with Andy Dalton, uh, you know, he could have gone with Fitzpatrick. He could have gone with Jameis Winston. I think all those would have been 10 times better in terms of options. And it's a one-year contract. So, hell, even the Bears don't believe in him. Okay, they've told him that he's going to be the starting quarterback, but how long is that going to last? I still think that the Bears probably draft a quarterback in the first or in the second round. So, uh, I don't think Andy Dalton's job is safe in Chicago in 2021. I would not be shocked to see the Bears draft someone like a Mac Jones. They just put themselves so behind the eight ball, specifically at the quarterback position, that they 
have to do something. This this front office, if they want any chance to retain their jobs and specifically at the quarterback position. And I think we all realize that Andy Dalton isn't the answer. So does it hurt Allen Robinson? Maybe a little bit. Um, to me, the biggest question is the quarterback instability that potentially might arise. That's the thing that I'm always worried the most about when it comes to the Chicago Bears. And I think it's going to be something that we have to deal with again in 2021. Uh, but, you know, Robinson is still the clear cut number one wide receiver there. So at least from that perspective, I think in PPR, I'm still all right with having him a, you know, worst case, low end wide receiver one in redraft. And for that reason, I'm not too worried about Robinson. Yeah. I mean, when I say I'm worried about Robinson, it's again, one of those guys that like the my guy. So I'm like always super high on him. I had like wide receiver seven because I was like, he's going to get somebody. He, it can't get any worse. And I'm like, oh, it might have actually gotten worse. So I got, I got him at wide receiver 14 right now, like in that range of that, like 10 to 14, I think where he's going to end up being. So low end one, high end two is like highest of end two. So I'm not like saying I'm out on him by any means. I'll definitely still draft him, but I moved guys like Amari Cooper ahead of him and things like that. But yeah, the bear, what are they doing? Like, gosh, they just like had all these options. They need to figure something out, but Nagy could be out of here within a year. Chicago's a tough football, uh, football town as well. They're not going to let it slide on this. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Dog, what's your opinion on all this Bears Chicago stuff? Yeah, so uh, for me, I was a little bit worried that Allen Robinson wouldn't sign the franchise tag when they did add Andy Dalton, but he did. So that's definitely a good thing because now we know that he will play this season. And uh, overall, I don't really like – think that Andy Dalton is that big of an upgrade over Trubisky so it doesn't help Allen Robinson and like CJ said it might hurt him a little bit and uh, for Andy Dalton I do think that he can be like a quarterback two in fantasy like maybe like a low-end quarterback two with some weeks where he does become like a high-end quarterback two but uh, he doesn't really have that big of a ceiling and uh, this doesn't really help any of the pass catchers in the Chicago Bears. Yeah, that really, really puts a, um, some like cold water on the Darnell Mooney season that was building up with a lot of it. So that's one of the biggest hits there. And he was kind of a sleeper candidate for this year. He played great, but if with an Andy Dalton who doesn't throw it down the field well enough, I don't know. We'll, we'll just hope they draft a quarterback and he does well or something like that. Um, that's all real, we can hope for. Real quick, also worth mentioning, the Bears still haven't addressed their other biggest need, and that's the offensive line. And mm -hmm. that's going to be an issue for that entire offense and also for David Montgomery. But I guess, you know, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, we can talk about the David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. We've got a lot of offseason to talk about what these teams are doing and what we project of them. So we're trying to keep this in good shape. I love that you brought that up. A couple more teams to go here. Let's move on to the Steelers. I did not expect this by any means. Juju Smith-Schuster comes back on, I believe, a $7 million deal to play another year of the Steelers, turning down offers from the Kansas City Chiefs and turning the offers from the Baltimore Ravens for more money. What is Juju doing? <laughs> Garf. Yeah, I don't really understand this from Juju's perspective because it felt like he didn't want to be there. And... Now, all of a sudden, he does want to be there. But uh, with Juju there, I do think it does hurt both Deontay and Claypool slightly because if 
uh, Juju went somewhere else and they would both be the biggest beneficiaries and they would get a lot more volume for both of them. So it does hurt all three of the wide receivers there, in my opinion. But it is probably the best case situation for Juju Smith-Schuster because he can probably get like 130 to 140 targets. But he does become like the – like it'll be like six to eight yards per catch or something like that. So he won't really be too significant in fantasy. But like he's still in this tier where wide receivers don't really matter like I said earlier. Yeah, he finished wide receiver 16 last year. We had Deontay Johnson finish wide receiver 21, and then we had Claypool finish wide receiver 23. So, Garb, really quick before I go to Auburn, if you had to order them for 2021 and you had to draft them, would you? how would you How would you order it in order of Juju, um, Deontay, and Claypool? So, Best for me, order. the way that I would play it is I would try and even up the shares between the three because, like, I play in so many leagues, so I'd like to – even them out, but uh, if I had to choose, like, who I think would be the best, it would be Deontay, then Claypool, then Juju. Okay, so Juju's lowest on that one. Interesting on that. So I didn't go anyway. That, that only there's a wrong answer here. It's just kind of like one of those things going into it. Um, Avram, what was your opinion on the signing, turning down some offers, and then same question when you're done talking about it. How would you order those three wide receivers for 2021? Yeah, man, I, I was definitely surprised by the signing. Yeah, I, to me why wouldn't you go to the Kansas city chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens? Maybe it's just a reflection of the, again, the wide receiver market this season. And he knew he wasn't maybe necessarily going to get a big time multi-year deal. So let's just go back to Pittsburgh to a system. I know where I can put up decent numbers and set myself up for a decent free agency in 2022. I think probably that's kind of where Juju Smith's head was at. Uh, when it comes to that deal that he took, as far as the wide receivers, I think we're probably going to see something similar to what we saw in 2020 from Juju Smith in 2021. You know, like Garf said, it's it's a situation where he's going to get a lot of volume, but the yards probably won't necessarily be there. I'm still of the mindset that he's actually the number three wide receiver on that team. So I agree exactly with how. Uh, you gave those rankings, Deontay, Claypool, and Juju. That's how I would also rank them as well. But at the same time, you should also realize that any given week, all those three guys are talented enough where they could explode and be the guy. So it's just a tough situation for fantasy purposes because you can't 100% say, yes, it's going to be the Deontay year. Yes, it's going to be the Claypool year. It's going to be the Juju uh, you know, comeback year or whatever. Uh, and I just, in general, think that Big Ben, again, we've mentioned some other quarterbacks that don't necessarily instill a lot of confidence for fantasy purposes offensively. I think Big Ben also belongs in that category. They still need to upgrade that offensive line, man. I, I've brought that up with numerous teams, but Pouncey, Villanueva, those were some anchors on that offensive line. You need to upgrade that offensive line, give some time to Big Ben, and then I don't know what they're going to do with the running back position right now. That's a huge question mark. That's going to be really interesting uh, to find out heading forward. No, 100%. Yeah, we don't know what the running back's going to be, the offensive line downgrade. This is why I personally play pool last in the three, because I don't think he's going to have time to open up his routes. I think Deontay's the one. 
We saw the games. He, mostly his points per game is lower because of injury games. Where he's left early with concussions. All those like crazy injuries that actually don't correlate together, but people call him injury prone. So I have no worries about that. And he had the most games over 20 points of the three of them. So Deontay is the one for me. I think Juju is the second best for fantasy, mostly because of the offense that is being run right now. And I don't see it changing next year. And Ben will have less time personally. And I love Claypool. I think Claypool is going to be a great talent, but I think this will be a down year of his for his, for his career because of all the pieces they have in place right now. But I think overall he'll be great, but I still think he'll be good. I think he'll be in that wide receiver two range each and every week because he's one big play away. He's the red zone threat. They, they use him on sweeps in the red zone. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if that order is completely wrong too. Like I'm not even like would be confused, but those are the three. If I was drafting, it's the order I would put them in, but we're splitting hairs. I just like, I just like the conversation. Like in the ADP right now, they are literally back to back to back. Mm-hmm. on like every single ADP. So that's why it's interesting to kind of talk about them. But yeah, one final team we're going to talk about. This is the biggest signing that we think we had pretty much. You know, Mike Glennon going to the Giants. That's one of the best signings we could have had. No, I'm just kidding. It's the Giants though. So they had Mike Glennon signing. Um, Bonte Booker signed a two-year deal to back up to Saquon Barkley. John Ross, Mr. I break records, but I can't get on the field. Powell Rudolph, two-year, $14 million deal. and Benny Galladay got the bag from the New York football giants Four years, $72 million, 18 million years, what he wanted. You can touch on the smaller ones. And then I want you to really bring it home for Galladay there, Garv. Tell me about the whole giants off season so far. So for me, the biggest winner from this is Daniel Jones because he gets an alpha wide receiver uh, this year and he gets Barkley back and everyone should be healthy before the season starts. But then again, there's a, quite a few injury-prone players here with Sterling Shepard, John Ross, Evan Ingram. So it is a bit uh, like – If you get enough of them, they might have a full roster. Like get enough injury guys that are good and then alternate them. Yeah. And then uh, this does definitely kill Darius Slayton's season, in my opinion. And even with Darius Slayton, like last year – it was kind of killed there itself. But, uh, again, I think that Daniel Jones gets the biggest benefit, and uh, he was actually one of the more efficient deep ball passers last year, which not many people know. And so I do think that Kenny Galladay does get a slight downgrade because he goes from Stafford to Daniel Jones. And uh, so I do think that, uh, Kenny Galladay can be like a wide receiver two rather than a wide receiver one. And then uh, I think that this hurts Evan Ingram slightly because they did add Kyle Rudolph, but it doesn't hurt him too bad because Caden Smith had 453 snaps last year. So he probably just takes the Caden Smith role and plays more of a blocker. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing about the role that we have for Kyle Rudolph. But Kyle Rudolph is more juice than Caden Smith, in my opinion. With that, and I think it, this could mean they're trying to deal Ingram. Like, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if that. I'm not saying it will happen. I think that's like kind of the rumors in the bushes going with that. But yeah, Kenny Galladay, I'm glad you talked about a downgrade there because a lot of people are treating him like he got an upgrade getting paid. Stafford's a better quarterback, thrower than Daniel mm-hmm. Jones. And it's debatable as a passer, not as a fantasy player, but a passer, that Jared Goff is better than Daniel Jones there. So even staying in Detroit might have been a better hole. I see Kenny Galladay as a wide receiver 
16 to 20 range, just outside the top 15. Like very solid. Like I will, I would put him in my lineup and be happy with the production. I'm just not sure he'll get those big games. Slayton, I think, is just a stretched out Travis Fulgham. Like we thought he'd be good, and he's kept being good for longer. And but Fulgham fell off a cliff a lot quicker. These players that are drafting that fifth round or undrafted, um, I believe Slayton was a fifth round pick. They can flash, but they really don't get. They don't perform the whole time. They don't get their snaps. That's they're not committed to them. So as an offense, I do like Daniel Jones. He gets the upgrade. I still wouldn't trust him, but he has the rushing ability. He's one of those guys that you'd be looking for matchup based during seasons. Kind of fluctuates through there if you're playing the streaming quarterback game. But overall, if Daniel Jones doesn't perform, it's on him this time. Mm-hmm. They got everything around him. Aubrey, what's your opinion on all this? Yeah, man, I, I agree with that. I think that's exactly what all these moves are. It's kind of make or break time for Daniel Jones. If he can't show enough to the New York Giants, then, you know, a year from now, we, we could be talking about the New York Giants having to search for another franchise quarterback yet again. But hey, at least short term, I like what it does for his opportunity. So I am excited about that. <laughs> I'm really curious now what the Giants are going to do in the draft because these last, I feel like two months, I've just been seeing wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver, tight end kind of flip flop for them in the first round. Well, they address tight end with Kyle Rudolph. Maybe if they trade Evan and Ingram, then yes. Uh, and then now they got Kenny Galladay, John Ross, not as sexy of a signing, definitely, but he adds depth there. So I think right now this is probably the squad that we have offensively for the Giants heading into 2021. I wouldn't be looking at the draft at potentially any big names joining them there uh, for what that's worth. Uh, kind of just a side note. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Kenny Galladay, probably a mid-level, high-end wide receiver too, that if he wants to go into that net next threshold, he's going to have to do really well with his touchdowns. It, it probably just comes down to that. He's never been a big volume guy, big reception guy, even with his days with Stafford, a guy that just chucked the ball all over the place. So uh, I don't think that's all of a sudden going to change with the Giants, who, by the way, they still have arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL. They're not just going to forget about their rushing attack. That's going to take away some opportunities from all of these wide receivers. So keep that in mind. Uh, But I do think the pecking order is Galladay. Yeah, Sterling Shepard next, and then kind of a crapshoot between Slayton and Ross, obviously with Golden Tate getting released. Uh, and then Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram. I If both of them are on the roster, give me Evan Ingram. But he does take a hit compared to last season with the addition of Kenny Galladay. So I don't necessarily see the upside in him like I have in years prior. Yeah, again, with that tight end for fantasy is just – a wasteland if you don't get any of the big guys and maybe you can throw in mark andrews as a fourth guy that you might want depending on like the about the value of it you just pick whatever upside you want to shoot at kind of thing for fantasy this year but yeah i totally agree with everything that was said there big things going on daniel jones it's literally kenny galladay is cap for what daniel jones can do and daniel jones can take that step forward because one thing i do like to say it's not impossible for him to get better he had a better sophomore season than we saw from Josh Allen. We saw Josh Allen jump. I am not predicting that 100%, not even close, but we have seen quarterbacks get better when they get an alpha. So I'm leaving my judgment for future shows and for what I want to see on the field then. But guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for talking about all these moves. We have so much to talk about tonight. 
But Garv, where can they find you? What are you working on? Plug yourself, buddy. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFinsight1, and it's on the screen here. And then uh, I am working on uh, creating some sort of analytical model to analyze these wide receiver, like rookie wide receivers. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to publish that soon in the future. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And obviously, don't forget to follow Pregame HQ and all the writers in there because they're all really cool dudes. Awesome. We have some of the best writers in the biz. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what's going on with your uh, analytics for all these rookies. I need to definitely deep dive some of these. Um, I'm not a Debbie guy. So I, I, I trust other people to do that for me, and I kind of pick my favorite one. So I'm really excited to see what you got working there. But, um, Avram, what you got going on, buddy? Plug yourself. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks thanks for uh, giving me a chance to, to go over that. So, yeah, uh, you guys can go ahead and check out a lot of the things that I do on Twitter at All Day Pigskin. Also on YouTube, now it's kind of picking up a little bit again, All Day Pigskin with the draft. We're going to have more mock drafts coming up, so really excited about that. Obviously, you can find me on the team here at the Pregame HQ, writing, uh, joining in on some of these awesome podcasts from time to time. Uh, also do some writing for Fantasy Intervention as well. So a lot going on. And then, uh, you know, the 2021 uh, Fantasy Football Draft Guide, that's going to be something I'm working on here as we get past the draft. So all that can can be checked out and alldaypigskin.com. So just a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited. Uh, and again, thanks thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure having you guys on here. I can't wait to see what you guys do for the job. Again, not a Debbie guy. I'm going to let, rely on you guys to learn this all. Maybe I'll bring you guys back on when we talk about the NFL draft coming soon. But again, I am Kid Flash FF on Twitter. You can find me there. I also host the Dynasty podcast, The Dynasty Duo FF. You can find that on Twitter as well as my buddy Tyler Carp from DLF. That's what most of the stuff I have going on here. But I'm always here every single week to talk with you guys for the pregame HQ at the, light game, at the lightweight pregamers here. But guys, thank you so much for coming in and we'll talk to you soon.